0: I feel like this is the longest stint I've gone without actually feeling hoarse on the microphone, so that is fascinating. But hello, everyone. Welcome back to another beautiful episode of Don't Get It Twisted. Wait, you've got to be kidding me. Let's get this untwisted. How are you? Good? Good. I am literally listening to the dangling of my earrings as I'm recording this, so these will be coming out. Thank you very much. Obviously, it's just been a week since the last episode, but for some reason, I just feel like I haven't actually sat down and given a little bit of an update for you all on just how my life has been, what's been going on. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I haven't had the chance to do so in a video or in a podcast or really just anywhere. But honestly, I've been feeling pretty okay lately. I think, I just, I think that's a good word to sum it up. I've been feeling okay. I kind of feel like I'm trying very diligently to get a better schedule for myself. If we're being honest here, you know, we are coming into what is it, month six, month seven of quarantine, something a little bit bonkers. And, you know, in the beginning, it kind of was like this whole mess of confusion in our brains, like, what's going on? Like, what information is real? What information is being changed from day to day? And there was kind of a lot of just fear and worry in the air. And then by month, like two or three, I think a lot of the mood sort of seemed to shift. You know, people were making banana bread. People were having lots and lots of wine. I don't know. I think people were starting to make the most of it. And now as we're kind of trickling into, I don't know, maybe phase three, at least, you know, in my head, this is like the third phase of whatever the heck's been going on. It's kind of, (laughs) it's almost like we're rolling to the end of summer, which kind of, you know, usually feels like a new season, not just because fall and whatnot, but maybe if you're a student, you're going back to school or your job might be picking up again, like as we're going into Q4, life just kind of starts to take like a totally different shift. And all of a sudden you kind of have this weird wake up call where you're like, oh my God, I have been fucking around for the past four months. Like, my life is in shambles. I have no idea what's been going on. I am not taking care of myself. I'm waking up at 11 a.m. every single day. I'm going to bed at four in the morning. Like, where is my structure? What is my schedule? Is there even a schedule? Is it worth making one? So many questions. So much confusion. This is my entire brain right now. It is scrambled eggs. And so I've kind of just come into this recent ideology in my head Uh, that I just need to get past. I'm starting to feel a little, little stinky with myself. I just feel itchy and ready to, I don't know, be an adult or something. So I've set a new goal for myself that uh, I'm trying to get a full eight hours of sleep every single night. And while that might seem like the easiest thing in the world, by golly, is it not? And I'm actually vlogging most of it. So I'll give you an update, a full video on it once I'm finished. So look out for that. But uh, we're on day one. (laughs) So that's how that's going so far. So from waking up at 11am on a generous day to now, you know, kind of shifting towards the normal working hours of, I don't know, somebody that is my age. And also just trying to find like a regular schedule with myself because I think that I am actually the kind of person that loves structure. Like I hate getting into it. I hate when I start the school year off and I'm feeling so out of my comfort zone and everything feels like you're tired all the time because you're waking up at six and you used to wake up at noon and you have all this work and you just feel like you have, you know, you have to answer to the big man, whatever. But I feel like once I start doing that for a few weeks or a month even, I'm all of a sudden like, all right, I've got this. Like this is, you know, you start to just get into the swing of things and sometimes structure is good. So I'm kind of weaning myself into having a structure in my day. Nothing too serious. All right, we're kind of, we're easing ourselves in. But you know, I want to wake up earlier. I want to work out at the same time every day. I want to have, I don't know, a proper meal instead of just shoving a protein bar in my face in between editing and whatnot. I just want to feel like, I don't know, a a proper contribution to society. Is that too much to ask of myself? Honestly, I don't think so. I also think something that comes with my structure is just providing like better nutrition for myself. I think I definitely go through phases when it comes to eating well, where I will have really great stints and I eat so well, and I'm prioritizing my vegetables, like, you know, that whole trick where you're supposed to fill up half your plate with the vegetables. I am that woman. I am doing that shit. But then, you know, I don't know what it is. Like, it's like the smallest butterfly effect where just, you know, a few days in a row, I just all of a sudden start to not have that vegetable on my plate, or I always end dinner with ice cream. Like, it's just, you know, Neither here nor there, but I all of a sudden go from the queen of health, like I'm wearing a crown and it says, Taylor, queen of nutrition, to all of a sudden, like finding myself at the bottom of the garbage bag, wondering why I feel like poop. And sometimes, you know, it can be totally my fault. Sometimes I absolutely love to blame it on others. Like, fortunately, my family was actually just in town. I hadn't seen them since, like, the start of lockdown at the end of February. And I don't know. The cards just fell into place. They decided to drive up here completely COVID-safe. And yes, I did say drive up here. And I do mean from Southern California. They are a little bit crazy. They did do it in one day. I don't know how they are human. For those of you that are wondering or don't know, that is, I think, 18 hours. They might have done it in 17 and a half. Not sure, but it was crazy. And of course, when your family's around, you know, you want to do the things that you don't normally get to do, like go get ice cream two or three times or order a milkshake at dinner. Like all of those things that I tell myself, I want to do on a day-to-day basis, I definitely did when my family was here simply because they were around and a lot of the times I was not paying for the bill. It's just simple math here. So that definitely did not contribute to, you know, healthy eating habits for four or five days, however long they were here. But also I kind of think that I've had this weird thing in the back of my head ever since I finished 75 hard where I've almost felt... Not like a burden lifted off me because it's definitely not that dramatic, but I think for you know quite literally seventy five days, I was having the same thoughts in my head over and over and over again, telling myself what I should be doing, when I should be doing it, what food I was telling myself I couldn't couldn't eat, and if you're new to the podcast or you haven't listened to the seventy five heart episode, which you definitely should. I try not to really cut anything out of my diet, but really I prioritize just eating whole foods. But also when you're, you know, prioritizing whole foods, that means I couldn't have my everyday pretzels and hot Cheetos and Takis and potato chips. So now that I'm past the 75 days and I'm kind of onto this new chapter of just trying to, you know, eat intuitively and listen to my body, blah, blah, blah. I feel like that just sounds weird to say, like listening to my body. But honestly, that's what I'm trying to do. And now if I go to the cover and I'm wanting some rolled gold tiny twists, my absolute favorite pretzels of all time, then I'm just going to have some rolled gold tiny twists. But I think what has to be implemented not only in my head, in my brain, in my tummy, wherever, is that I can't just all of a sudden go from 0 to 100 or 100 to 0, however you want to look at it. I think I'm having this kind of strange balance of wanting to just relax and eat whatever the heck I want, but also remembering my goals, remembering my priorities, which honestly at the end of the day is just treating my body well. Like I never want to treat my body like a trash can. So if I eat like a trash can, I am a trash can. But also, you know, when you look in the trash, you might have some compost. (laughs) Wait, where am I going with this? (laughs) you might have some good things. You might have some bad things. It's all a balance in the trash can of life. (laughs) Completely lost myself on that analogy. Not sure if you followed. I definitely didn't. But bottom line here is I'm just trying to find a balance between I used to be eating extraordinarily healthy and now having this kind of weight lifted off my shoulders of, oh, I'm okay to eat whatever I want. Does that still mean that I absolutely should have the whole box of Oreos. I don't know, probably some days. That's kind of my answer for the moment. But definitely does not help with my nutrition goals if I'm constantly battling my inner sweet tooth. You know, I have to find ways to balance it all out. And what's crazy about it all is I think that a lot of times this definitely affects my mood. It affects my attitude, my mentality to even want to do things. Like I kind of notice if I have a day of just, honestly eating all of the new pumpkin spice treats that I bought at Trader Joe's, which let me just turn you on to something for a second here. Don't ever walk past the pastry section in Trader Joe's because I used to be you and I used to do that. But just trust me here for a second. I went to Trader Joe's yesterday and I wanted some sort of pumpkin something. You know, I've seen all the TikToks. I've seen the videos. I did a whole video on my YouTube channel last year, reviewing like these random pumpkin products from Trader Joe's I might have taken it down because it is absolutely horrendous I don't know if you're new to my channel my podcast whatever but I used to film on my selfie camera on my phone like the front camera and the quality was arse I was so uncomfortable in front of the camera I wasn't funny like I don't remember even using any sort of noise to make it less awkward so the whole video is just absolutely terrible but bottom line is I didn't want to go to Trader Joe's this year and just get the standard typical cookies that are shaped like pumpkins or everything pumpkin spice flavored that is normally just normal flavored whatever I wanted something different you know I wanted to indulge but not too much not enough to be a pumpkin spice girl not enough to be an infinity scarf girl but just enough to to treat that inner pumpkin taste bud So I strutted into Trader Joe's and I walked right up to that pastry section. And normally I would have turned a blind eye. You know, I would have looked at that and said, I don't want those pumpkin spice cupcakes. I don't want those pumpkin spice cookies. But then I took a second look. Okay. I stood at that table for far too long, analyzing every single pastry that was at my reach. And I don't know if you all know this, but I definitely didn't. But what happened to catch my eye? was this ginormous, I just said ginormous, ginormous Danish pastry. And it is, I think, the size of, like it literally has the circumference of a tire, not the width, just the circumference. Am I using the right geometry terms? Don't know. But it is this ginormous, beautiful being that is this pumpkin flavored Danish And I don't know what overcame me, but I just knew that I would not be leaving that Trader Joe's without that Danish in my basket. And so here I was strutting through Trader Joe's with not only the best pumpkin spice item, but the only pumpkin spice item that mattered to me. But if I spend the entire evening after I got home from Trader Joe's eating, I would say, a majority of this tire-sized Danish, which I did then I might kind of feel like poop the whole rest of the night or even leading into today. And did that happen? A little bit. Yes, it definitely did. Did I absolutely regret it? Not, not at all. Not a chance. But I did notice that overall, I just kind of feel like I'm more sluggish today. I'm not as interested in wanting to work out or wanting to eat well, because I've kind of got this kick that I just want to keep eating that ginormous, I need to stop saying ginormous because I cannot properly pronounce it in this moment and it's just making me look like a fool. I digress. I just want to eat this entire Danish. And while that sounds like the best thing, you know, for me mentally, sometimes it actually does not affect me well because honestly, I'm just acting sluggish and I'm acting annoyed because I don't have good energy in my body because I'm not properly feeding it well because my entire stomach is just filled with. Tire size Danish. Anyways, I'm just trying to find that kind of good balance, you know? And you know what? There are days when I want to eat a majority of the Danish, and there are days when I want to start my day with a green smoothie, which ironically, I did do today. It's for a video. I'm not changing, I promise. But I mean, I'm not that regretful of a person. Like, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. Like, that's something that's just, I don't know, the way I have to look at life. So I'm not negative, I guess. But I do sort of have, I don't know, regretful feelings about doing 75 hard or sharing a lot about 75 hard on my platform, big or small, because I think there is so much of that program that really helped me and it helped me recognize when I need to nourish my body or how I should be nourishing my body and what I should be prioritizing and just kind of, you know, not to quote The creator, but winning a war over myself that I've been fighting for quite some time. But at the end of the day, I think the program is quite problematic. And I think a lot of that I didn't know going into it. Like I just, you know, briefly saw the requirements. I did a bit of my research, which was basically watching other people who had done the program themselves. But I really didn't analyze why some of it is problematic. And don't get me wrong. I think it's it's still a cool program, but in some ways I wish I didn't share so much about it because like, for instance, there's just some things that I think are ableist, for example, like having the requirement of not being able to read audiobooks or listen to audiobooks is terrible like what if somebody actually has an intellectual disability where they're not able to literally read a book that means what they can't do the challenge like how stupid I don't know I just don't like things that are exclusive like that and I think that kind of bothered me and I feel like sometimes if you really dig into it maybe it's too restrictive or maybe it could set up bad eating habits or bad patterns with yourself but ultimately you know what I did it And I think it's more important for me or really anybody to not just ignore our experiences, even if we did not 100% agree with them, but rather to reflect on it, acknowledge it, and see how I can grow from it. And honestly, I think I've learned more after doing the program than I ever did before or during it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, I don't know, that's just me being transparent here for a second, letting you all know my thoughts, but speaking of, you know, a little bit of uh, toxicity here, I don't know how or why, but talking about toxicity, toxicity in relationships, friendships specifically, has been the most requested topic I have ever received for this podcast. And to be quite honest with you, that really, like, it makes me really sad, honestly. I think it's unfortunately something that a lot of us or most of us probably experience in our lives in one relationship or another. It could be something in your family, could be something with a significant other, could be something with a friend. But it's really sad to think that there is so much of it out there that this has been a topic that people have been wanting to talk about for quite some time. And I asked you all, you know, what questions do you have that I can hopefully help with? And of course, like per usual, this is just me You know, trying to offer a little bit of insight from an unbiased perspective, like what can I do to help you? I'm just an open ear or, you know, hopefully somebody that is here to listen to you. I'm not professional in any way, but I think the biggest thing that made me really sad in reading a lot of your questions and hearing responses from you all is that a lot of your questions come from a place of guilt. And I feel like I all of a sudden just did a 180 on this podcast. Like I was talking about the tire size Danish and all of a sudden I'm like, you guys are guilty. (laughs) Excuse my tone. But really it is, you know, quite upsetting from somebody who just cares so sincerely about each and every single one of you that when I'm seeing these questions and I'm thinking about how you might be feeling in these situations and how you're phrasing even asking me these questions... There's just so much sadness and depth that I'm feeling and honestly, like I can sense this guilt that you're carrying on your shoulders that is absolutely not necessary. So first and foremost, before we even start talking about anything related to toxic relationships, what I want you to do is if you are somebody that maybe feels like you're being talked at right now. <laughs> if you ask me a question or if maybe you're somebody that often feels really guilty about losing a friend or guilty about the last conversation you had or even just a friendship breakup or maybe being the innocent one in a toxic friendship, but you don't even recognize it yet. I want you to remove the guilt away from yourself. I want you to take yourself away from your situation and to be kinder to yourself because it's so easy for somebody else like myself to listen to your questions and to understand an unbiased point of view but when you're in the midst of it and when it's you that's dealing with a toxic relationship it's so hard for you to see that it is not your fault. And I mean, this was me for so freaking long. It took me the longest time to realize that it is okay to grow apart from your friends. And sometimes it's because of a bad friendship. It's because of a bad relationship that isn't healthy. But a lot of times it can just be from drifting apart. It can just be from, you know, taking two different paths in life. And I, for the longest time, always held such guilt in those friendships, even after, you know, it's been years since I've talked to so-and-so because I always thought maybe it was me that did something wrong, or maybe I, I don't know, didn't try hard enough or I didn't invite them over more. I didn't text them enough. I didn't, you know, engage with them as much as I should have, or I could have. And I always just took it so personally when really and truly there was never any big falling out that I had with, a close friend. But it was just that, you know, life starts to happen. And you're no longer in the same proximity as one another going to high school every single day together. Or you're no longer in the same dorm room, in the same dorm hall as you were your freshman year. And you start to realize that people just kind of shift around to people that they're closer with. And I think that taking yourself out of the situation if you're thinking about a specific incident a specific friendship relationship and seeing how if you looked at that from a different point of view you would recognize that you are not in the wrong and I really want each and every single one of you to realize that too because if this is something you're facing if this is something you're dealing with it's so easy to put the blame on yourself but trust me in recognizing that you are not to blame All my life, I've kind of been that person that really loves just being around people. And I've had a lot of, I don't know, I would say like close acquaintances, if that even makes sense, like all of my life. Like I would have a few like very close best friends that I've kind of had since childhood, but even through high school, middle school, college, whatever. I was always just friends with people in a lot of different social circles and friends to the point where, you know, we would hang out from time to time, but they weren't my absolute closest friends. And so I kind of think that throughout my life, as I would move from one chapter to the next and I would graduate high school and I would go to college and blah, 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 it was really hard for me to try and almost like keep track of Which friendships were going to stick with me for the long run? Because, especially when you go off to different universities, as I'm sure that's kind of like the likely case with most friend groups, like it's very rare that more than even two of you will go to the same school. But you kind of realize, like, you know, you start to have this whole different life, especially when you're transitioning from high school to college, where You have different priorities now, you have totally different friend groups, you start to maybe have more in common with the people that go to college with you than maybe you did in high school. And the little free time on your hands that you have to talk with people back home, you really only exert your energy for the people that maybe mean the most to you. And sometimes that's just your family, sometimes that's just your closest few friends. But I feel like what happened for me was when I transitioned from high school to college, I had like different active group chats and whatnot, and there were still so many people that I wanted to keep in touch with, but it's never like this big, massive breakup where everybody hates one another, but it was kind of just this gradual decrease in texting one another or gradual decrease in getting to see one another, because if you go away to school, you're only really coming home for Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, spring break, whenever you're actually home. So the time that you would normally have to see all these people is smushed into this really small window. And you're kind of battling like, okay, I need to be with my family. I need to relax. I have this project I have to finish before I get back to school. I only have two days off of which friends do I want to see. So it ends up becoming like inevitably a few years in between seeing some of the people that used to be your closest friends. And it just kind of sucks. Like there's no other better way to say it other than drifting away from people is the absolute worst thing ever. And I think that friendship breakups hurt so freaking much because it's such a hard thing to reconcile. And it's so hard to get past. And from my perspective, I always put the blame on myself that I didn't try hard enough, or maybe I was never a good enough friend to begin with. So they intentionally kind of drifted apart from me, which, you know, maybe could be the case. I don't really know. But I just held on to all of that guilt for so long, because I always just thought, well, of course I'm the one in the wrong. Like, we're the ones that are not talking anymore. Maybe they're still talking to some of my other friends. I'm the one that is the problem. Like, I should be to blame that I'm no longer as close as I am with these people. But I don't even know how freaking long it took me to actually come to terms with the fact that that is kind of just life. Like when you're in middle school, elementary school, even high school, those are like the glory days somehow. (laughs) I feel weird even saying that. But those are the days when you have so many close friends. And as you get older, your time, like your free time gets slimmer and slimmer and you don't have as much time to be around as many close acquaintances as you used to. So it's only natural that you start to have less friends as you get older. But honestly, why does it still suck so much? Like, why does it still hurt so badly, even though you know that nothing bad happened? You know that you were not in the wrong. But it was just kind of this slow, gradual friendship breakup. I I kind of just think it's because there was never any time to come to terms with it. Like, there was never a big fallout. And I'm not saying like I wish there there was, but in some ways, I almost feel like it'd be easier to cope with because you'd have a reason but now I'm just kind of like, well, shit, <laughs> there are all these friends that I still love and adore and think about constantly. But from my perspective, I just put the blame on myself that I'm the one that didn't carry on the friendship. I'm the one that didn't put in enough effort when really that's just how things kind of start to work. And I'm sure they're doing their own things now, too. And I'm sure they're thriving and I'm sure they're living their amazing life. But I can't sit here for the past five years and blame myself constantly that I was the problem always. And I want you to do the same. But where I think we need to kind of steer this conversation now is towards the actual toxicity that comes with friendships. Now, there's definitely a difference between having a fight with somebody or having a disagreement with your friend and them actually being toxic. And that's kind of like probably the most important thing to take away from this. I don't want you like going to your best friend and being like, you're toxic! Just because you guys just had like a two-second fight over something so silly and insignificant. Trust me, that is not my point. But I think when somebody is toxic, deep down, you know, or at least the people in your life can recognize it. The loved ones in your life can see the toxicity. And it's really hard to overcome and it's really hard to get past. But having that weight of those terrible people in your life that don't prioritize you the same way that you prioritize them needs to be absolutely demolished. Now this question asks, have you ever been in a toxic friendship that affected your life outside of the friendship too? And the answer is absolutely. And I think that's almost maybe one of the key things that you can recognize if maybe this is something that you're dealing with and haven't come to terms with yet. If you've noticed that you're not as chipper, you're not in as good of a mood as you usually are because you're constantly being bogged down by this toxicity in this friendship that you're having and it's affecting other areas of your life. That is the biggest sign that you can give yourself that this is something that needs to be kicked out of your life. (laughs) Honestly, I would say that's even the worst kind of toxic friend because It's affecting you so detrimentally in your head that you can't even focus properly on you or you aren't yourself because you're so worried about this friendship and it's becoming quite literally toxic to you. I think the funny thing about me even like doing this podcast right now is that I want to give so much advice to you all of being not like confrontational, but just confronting these issues head on because that's the mature thing to do. That's the hard thing, but smart thing to do. But I am like the least confrontational person. And I think that's also hard to reconcile with when I've had toxic friendships in my life because it's so hard to get past for me because so much of me wants to be able to just, you know, look them dead in the eye and tell them how I'm feeling and tell them how hurt I am or maybe why we should kind of slowly go our separate ways. But I think a lot of times in the past, unfortunately, what I've done is just slowly drifted away from them. And whether that's the right thing or not, it's kind of how my past toxic friendships have gone. If you're opposite from me and you have the ability to confront these issues head on, then I highly encourage you to because I think that you'd be at peace with yourself and at peace with the friendship, hopefully, after actually addressing the issues. Because as hard as it is, it's honestly the most important thing that you can do. And how that person reacts will tell you how you should Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But now this is what I'm talking about when I say you have to remove the blame from yourself. Because this question asks, how do I break up with a friend? I want to tell her how she hurt me, but I don't want to hurt her. And I feel like, like even just reading that almost like breaks my heart because I can see such good in you and I can recognize how you care so much for the other person that you don't want to hurt them. So you're allowing them to hurt you. It sucks. It really does. I think it's definitely a case by case basis because you can either tell that person, Hey, here's one of the things that you've done. That's hurt me a lot. Or honestly, if this is something that is that bad, that you desperately need to get out of this friendship, I don't think it's appropriate to even bombard people with all of the things that they've done wrong to you, because what is that going to do? Fight fire with fire. But if it's easier for you to do as I did and kind of drift away from that person, then I think sometimes that's okay too. But if you really want to repair this friendship, then I would start small and I would mention the thing maybe that hurts you the most that they've done to you and genuinely tell them how you feel and how this has affected you maybe even in other areas of your life like we talked about and if they respond with love and empathy then you know that they're somebody that you can keep in your life but if they're defensive and rude and arrogant and not willing to change for you then they've hurt you enough and politely I think you have to close that chapter of your life this question asks how do I end a relationship with quote-unquote friends who are never there for me And I actually think that this is something I can resonate with a lot. I think something that I've struggled with a lot of my life is that, and I don't know how to say this without being obnoxious, but let me just try. (laughs) I think in a lot of the friendships I have, I am a lot more, not passive because I'm not like passive aggressive, but I'm passive in the fact that if I'm hanging out with somebody and we're catching up, you know, let's say we haven't seen each other in a few months because, you know, we live in different areas or whatever. A lot of the times I just allow them to talk the entire time. And I'll ask them so many questions to the point of it's the end of our hangout and they haven't learned a single new thing about me because they've been talking about themselves the whole time. And I don't know if that's just like the vibe that people get from me. Like maybe I give off just like this listener quality in me. Again, I sound so obnoxious talking about this, but I always feel bad talking about myself. So whenever I'm with somebody new, I let them talk and talk and talk because I would feel selfish if I controlled or monopolized the whole conversation. And I kind of feel like I end up screwing myself over quite literally because by doing that, I never get to talk about myself to my friends and not that I like need to sit here and and brag or vent or whatever, but those are my friends. Like those are the closest people in my life and I should be able to have them know every little detail about me, but I never want to burden somebody with what I think are such insignificant problems. Like if I'm going through something in my life, I never want to just text my friend so-and-so is bothering me or something is bothering me and I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. When in actuality, those are the people I should be turning to. And of course, we diminish our own problems to make ourselves feel less significant than the people in our lives. We always think that our problems are not significant enough. And I need to take my own advice and say that, fuck yeah, they absolutely are. And I feel like where I kind of go back to this question is, I never feel as if my friends are as there for me as I am there for them, almost because I don't allow them to be there because they don't, they don't know. They don't know what I'm going through. I don't tell them. I don't share enough. And I don't allow myself the opportunity to to speak, I guess, when I haven't seen them in so long. And I think sometimes those friendships are really hard to carry on, quite honestly. And even if it's some of my closest friends, it gets really exhausting to always be the one giving and they're always on the receiving end because who wants to constantly be giving to something that is never giving back to them? I think I've really had to evaluate in my time which people in my life I allow to talk the entire time. And which people don't allow me to talk? Does that make sense? So, the people in your life that are not there for you, and the people in your life that aren't asking you the questions, even when you give them the space to, those are the friends that I think should be reevaluated in your life. And I know like some of this is so hard to even come to terms with and like maybe listening to this episode will almost make you uncomfortable or unsatisfied or unhappy because honestly it's unsatisfying for me to even talk about because who wants to admit that they have to get rid of a friend or who wants to come to terms with the fact that maybe this person isn't good for me in my life even though you battle those thoughts in your head of all of these years of memories that we've had or all of these good times that we share or You know, they're a fun person to be around, blah, 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 but they're never there for you. What kind of friend is that, you know? And it doesn't mean you have to completely end your relationship with them. Like you can still be acquaintances. You can still hang out in group settings, blah, blah, blah. But if these are the people that are in your life as your closest friends and they don't care about you, there's a problem in that. And it's uncomfortable in recognizing, but I want you to prioritize you. Cause it, you know, it just sucks sometimes. I keep saying that it just, but it does like it, it, it sucks to think that the people in your life control you or the people in your life and their feelings and their emotions are more valid than yours. But I'm here to friggin' stomp on that and tell you that is not the truth. Your emotions are valid. Your feelings are valid and you shouldn't let anybody but yourself have control over your life. In kind of more of a scenario situation, this question says, it takes me a long time to respond to my friends. Is that a toxic trait? Not because I don't want to. I just forget. I feel obligated to constantly check my phone, but I don't want to 24-7. This is something that I think I should have tattooed on my forehead. I absolutely hate being glued to my phone. And there's this weird part of me that's like, oh, I need to be on my phone 24-7 because my quote-unquote job right now is being on YouTube, having social media, having a podcast, blah, blah, blah. And I always want to message you all. I always want to be on my email. I always want to be on TikTok, Instagram, whatever the heck. And I totally get where this question is coming from because it takes me a really long time to respond to messages too. And sometimes it's because I don't have the mental energy to do so. And I think something that I've been wanting to almost express out loud lately is that I want my friends or I want my family members to know, and maybe and maybe you can do this too, but I want them to know that I'm not ignoring them or it's not something that I'm choosing to do. It's only because I want to dedicate proper time to them and I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet. I haven't had the mental capacity to do that yet. And I think there's this weird obligation in our generation of people expecting you to reply instantly. And sometimes, you know, you just can't do that. Like, you just can't. And I think as long as you honestly, like, outwardly express, sometimes, like, even in a joking way, like, just want to let you all know I'm not ignoring you. Sometimes I just don't want to be on my phone. I promise I don't hate you. That would be my suggestion because sometimes I will literally do that too. Or I remember my best friend always would leave her phone upstairs in her room, but she'd be socializing with her family downstairs in their living room. And I used to think, oh, my God, she's mad at me. Oh, my God, she's not responding. It's been like five hours. Like, what have I done wrong? But then literally she'd get back to her phone and she'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I'm just hanging out with my family. I don't need my phone. And that's awesome because all the props to her for actually doing that. And if you kind of just want to like openly state that kind of thing, too, like, hey, I'm sorry. I try not to be on my phone too much. Please don't take it personally. I just, you know, prefer to do other things. I think that's awesome at what point do you stop believing a friend when they say they're just too busy? I think when it becomes a pattern, like when it's a consistent problem and you're tired of asking and you're tired of already knowing what their response will be before they even get back to you, that's when you need to recognize that, okay, are they really just too busy? Maybe they also need to be checked in on, like are they doing okay mentally? Maybe they have a little bit of anxiety that Prohibits them from being as social as maybe you or your friend group is. I think sometimes it's important to more so read between the lines and honestly check in on them. But if they're constantly just coming up with excuses and they're really too busy, then don't give somebody your full effort who's not putting in even half effort for you. This question says I don't talk a lot to my friends, even though they mean a lot to me, but it doesn't change my affection for them. People usually say it's a sign of a toxic friend am I toxic for preferring to stay alone? There you go. That is a perfect example of what I was just saying. No, absolutely not. You are not toxic for just being a little bit more of an introvert. And again, sometimes I think that's okay to openly admit because you still want to show your friends your affection. You still want them to know that you love them and that you care for them. But sometimes it could be helpful for them to actually hear that and to have that communication because If I was on the other side of that friendship, because I'm a consistent and constant warrior, not warrior, but worrier. Am I saying that right? I would think, oh, maybe she's mad at me. Oh, maybe I did something wrong. Is she upset? Is she okay? All of these thoughts would run through my head. But even if you just provided a teeny bit of reassurance, just as simple as, hey, I love my alone time. Don't take it offensively. I love you all so much. That's awesome. The last thing I want to talk about is competitiveness in toxic friendships specifically or really just toxic relationships because this could be with your family, your co-workers, whomever. I received so many questions from you all on questions that revolved around honestly just petty friends and the sad thing is is I kind of think that this is the most common toxic friendship where it's even hard to pinpoint what is toxic about it but you know that there's kind of just this underlying Passive aggressive competitiveness that is really unhealthy. Like, for example, this question says I have a friend who is very competitive with me, but in an unhealthy way. She was like this with school and then the gym, and now that I'm in a relationship, she is also jealous. And I tried to ignore it, but she tells my sister that she thinks I'm just so lucky and it's unfair, when in reality, I work so hard for everything I have. This kind of toxicity always feels just so personal to me, and it feels so hurtful, honestly. But what is always so important to recognize, and I really want you to hear this out too, is that you have to see that this is 100% a reflection of their own jealousy of you. And it's just as simple as that, and it's very petty and it's very wrong. And I wish that they wouldn't act that way towards you. But if you have a friend that is competitive in the gym or they're competitive in school or they're competitive because you have a boyfriend and they don't, which I think is what you were just saying, there's something about what you are getting or what you've worked really, really hard for that they're envious of and that they're bitter towards you for having And it's a really sad thing to see because what it truly means is that they are lacking self-confidence in those areas. And it's hard because you want to be a friend for them to help them see their potential. You want them to see how competent and capable they are. But at the same time, they cannot pull you down to make themselves feel better. And I really want that to stick with you because if there's somebody in your life that is doing that, they are taking out their insecurities on you. They're trying to make you feel less than you are so that they can feel better about themselves. And all of that just sits so gross with me because it's it's hurtful and it's really sad and it's hard, but you should never dim your light for anybody else. And I think that that's something I've personally struggled with a lot in my life because I've never wanted people to feel bad about themselves. So I'll never share accomplishments I have, or I'll never share big things, exciting things that have happened in my life because I don't want people to, to feel bad if maybe they've wanted that too, or maybe they've worked really hard for it too. I just never want people to feel bad about themselves. But I think in some ways that's wrong too, because I shouldn't have to not be happy or not celebrate my accomplishments just because I know somebody else can't be happy for me because their insecurities are bigger than my happiness. And that's not fair to me. It's not fair to our friendship. You know, it's not fair to the relationship we have. And like I said, this can happen in so many areas of your life, whether that's your best friend, whether that's your coworker that you're both competing for the same promotion for, or I don't know, maybe it's a sibling or something. But you can't let that jealousy control your entire life. And it's not even your jealousy, it's theirs. This is really, really hard to cope with. And I think, especially in this situation, like this question read, if this person's talking to your sister, then they're obviously very closely interwoven into your life. But if there's somebody that is very close to you, I think if there's a particular situation that you can pinpoint, like let's say, I don't know, theoretically, you get a promotion in the next few weeks and they make another rude comment like that. I think it would be very helpful if you could intervene in that time and say, you know what? No, I am not lucky. I worked my ass off for this position. I know I'm capable of being here. I know I'm deserving and I'm going to kick ass at it. I think if you can actually identify it in the moment, that would be amazing. But if it's continually happening and this person is not recognizing their wrongs, They don't need to be that close to you in your life because you deserve better. You deserve the people that are going to be your biggest cheerleaders. You deserve the people that are going to want to celebrate your accomplishments more than you. Like, you need the Leslie Nope of your life as your best friend. I've been watching lots of Parks and Rec lately, and it's becoming one of my favorite shows. And honestly, I feel like we all need a Leslie in our lives. Like, those are the kinds of people that we should strive to have as our best friends. And of course, it's a TV show, and of course, it's dramatized. But honestly, we shouldn't settle for less because we deserve more. And we shouldn't have the people in our lives that are making us feel less than so they can feel better about themselves. That is not okay. I am telling you it's not okay I love you. You deserve more. You need to be kind to yourself and you need to expect more from the people in your lives. This is a hard episode for me to even be sharing because so much of what I'm saying, I need to personally take home to myself. I need to think long and hard about what I've said because like I said, it's very uncomfortable and it's so hard because a lot of times, especially in toxic relationships, there often isn't huge outbreaks. Sometimes you have an argument here or there, but a lot of times these people are so close to you or they've been in your lives for so long, you don't know how to get out of it because somehow it's almost easier just stringing them along than prioritizing you. But I want you to know that you are worthy of more. You deserve the utmost respect and I mean that sincerely. And it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be, comfortable or fun but you can't live your life for other people and you can't always be placing other people ahead of yourself when these thoughts and emotions that you have they are valid and you should not be putting your life on hold for other people. Thanks for hearing me out on this one. I know it's definitely a hard topic but it's something that we also need to confront and not just continually sweep under the rug. If you still have questions even if you have personal scenarios that you kind of just want an unbiased third opinion on, please reach out to me. You're always welcome to slide right into the DMs. That was so gross to say. Email me, hello at twistypod.com. Wherever you, you feel comfortable, you can even leave a comment on the YouTube video for this podcast. I also have a YouTube channel for the podcast if you're ever interested in just listening to it over there. I know not everybody has access to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. So that's just a free way to listen if you're ever interested and go subscribe so we can have more episodes, more support for the podcast. Love you all so much. Please take care of yourselves. Put yourselves first. I'm telling you right now, I love you so freaking much and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.